1: Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving.
2: This is James love host Loving, host of Loving That Sports Talk, and always co-host, TJ, Terry Jack. You there, Terry?
3: I'm here, here love.
2: And love. You there, Glover? Yes, I'm here, Jay. How you guys doing today?
3: Good man, how you doing?
2: I'm doing good. Yeah. You know, just you know how Captain is. Yeah. How how's how it chill to be back in Wyoming? <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> okay, i come the hours tomorrow. But like always we gotta have a run as this show. I wanna start off, you know, like always I gotta text from Terry. You know how that goes. Michael Vick's gonna stay with the Eagles. You know, and everybody talks about he's you know, not the best choice for him to do, but probably was the best thing to do in one year and compete
3: for the starting job. What do you guys think? Well, I don't know why it wouldn't be the best thing for him to do. Uh, they need to get him an offensive line. Um, but I think it was a good choice. Vick's still got some, some gas in the tank and, and, I mean, it's, it, it's running out, but I think you still got a little bit of gas in the tank. It'll be just fine. Well,
2: hey, I agree. I agree. You know, they need to uh, fill a couple of voids. Being, like TJ said, offensive line, you know, maybe a, a solid running back, a receiver, you know, and do some things on defense, you know, but it'll be uh, one of those situations where you gotta wait and see what Kip, Chip Kelly brings to the table and in his offense, but I think, you know, there should be some good things in Philly this year coming up. Well, it's amazing that you're resigning re though, guys, but, I mean, it's going to be the same thing as last year. you got to get off of the line, no matter what it is, you know. You're still going to still be running around, but Chip Kelly says he's going to change the offense for him. Do you think that will work by him standing in the pocket?
3: Well, I don't know necessarily changing the offense is going to work. I mean, these guys will have had a year under their belt together, hopefully. And and they'll get better. I mean, their offensive line has to work with each other. They've got to know the scheme of the offense and, and 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 what play they're going to run to block, or what play they're going to run to pass block. They've got to you know, I mean, it just takes time. They that they, they got to work together. And I think that was part of the problem. Um, they're going to get better, but changing the offense, I don't know if that's going to work or not. The bottom line is, Vic has to stay healthy, and he can't be taking those hits.
2: Well, do you think if he stay in the pocket that'll help him better or, or no? I think he needs to have the um, what's the word I'm looking for? He has to be able to create. I don't think him just sitting in the pocket gonna make him or of that offense better. I think he has to have the the green light to if he needs to run get out and run. He needs to roll out and roll out. You know, I don't think him being a drop back passer because of his size
3: what will be effective for him, nor would it benefit the uh, Eagles. You know, and if he, if he if he wasn't forced out of the pocket, that's one thing. That's where I think he gets in trouble. He's got a play call. He's forced out of the pocket. He still wants to try to complete that pass, and he's not thinking about running. And, and that's where I think he gets into trouble. That's where he starts taking all those hits because he's trying to, you know, still complete that pass instead of either running to safety or, or, or trying to protect himself.
2: Yeah, but I mean you see all the other quarterback, RG Griffin and um, the guy for fourth ers they're running they're successful. Why is but, it not successful for Vic? I mean Because it's a Vic different run.
3: offense, Love. that's a planned offense. That's a planned run. Mike Vick is playing a drop back offense. He's in a drop back offense situation, passing situation. And many times when he's forced out of the pocket is the only time he takes off. But he's still trying to complete these passes while he's being forced out of the pocket, and in, in turn, he's taking big hits. Those are the hits that are putting him out of the game. It's not, uh, you know, that, that they're running a veer or whatever they call it, that pistol offense where, you know, he's watching the tight end and then taking the ball back like Kaepernick and, and, and RG3, and that's not the offense he's running. Do you agree with that, Gluff?
2: Well, I mean, I agree with the first part. Unlike, unlike the guys that you guys just referred to being Kaepernick and, RG3, Russell West, you know, Russell Williams, Russell Wilson, excuse me, in Seattle. The, the thing that we're, we're missing, or we're not saying is this. The coaching and the offensive coordinator of those teams and those guys, they implemented plays to make them comfortable to have, you know, different things that they can do in the offense. So, for me, I think what needs to happen with Vic is they need to go back old school, implement some plays or implement things that will make him more comfortable in the pocket. If he's going to be a drop-back passer, that's fine. But you also need to give him the, the the green light. You need to let him, you know, get back there and make some plays because it's nothing special with Kaepernick's doing, nor RG3, nor Russell, you know, in uh, Seattle. It's just the coaches have put in plays that they're more comfortable with. And from those plays, it feeds off into other plays, and that's what Michael Vick doesn't have. He doesn't have that where if, if you know, this guy crashes in, he can get out and go. Or if the guy stays at home, he has, you know, another something going up the middle with with the running game or, or a tight end release. So they have to implement, as TJ was saying, they have to implement some plays that would benefit his abilities. I think um, you said it, glove, I don't remember you, glove or Terry. I can't remember which one you are, But you were saying the right. You know, sooner or later um, they're gonna catch up. uh Defense is gonna catch up. What Captain is doing with the 49ers. is that what happened with all these quarterbacks that runs? You guys, you think?
3: Well, you know, when you have success early on, <laughs> that, that's one thing. But it, it's not gonna take long. I mean that's. You know they've got the power of film, and, and then they can sit there and watch and study and see the mistakes that defense has made, and 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 coach it up. Basically, it doesn't take long. Does that mean it's not going to be successful? Still, no, I don't think that. I think Washington will come back and they will still have some success running the same thing, uh, as well as, as San Francisco and uh, and Seattle. But will they have the success? Is it going to be that much of a surprise? Because you, you got to understand, these are great athletes. These guys are fast. These quarterbacks, they're fast, and they can throw the ball. So, I mean, they've got two daggers right there that that, that they can use at their disposal. So you're you're not going to just be able to say, okay, I'm going to step up here and, and 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 stop this this pistol offense or or whatever they're calling it. Uh, It looked to be a veered offense to me, but they're not going to be able to step up and say, I'm just going to stop this, because they can beat you with their arms just as well as they can with their legs. Um, so they're going to have to pick and choose those times of run that.
2: Well, TJ's right. You know, I mean, you got to look at it like this. What's the difference between the pistol and the shotgun? It's just a matter of a yard or two. The pistol, the quarterback's closer, but he's still in the shotgun formation. Shotgun, quarterback a little bit farther back in his depth from the center to the quarterback. But 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 the thing is this right here, you guys have said it. I mean, at some point, you know me, Love, what I always think, because I played defense, you played offense, but I'll always say, and I'll continue to say it, defense wins championships. Most of your athletes are on defense, not taking anything from the guys on offense. Defense adjusts on the fly, you know. I told you, Love, and we had this conversation, I said, if you're going to stop San Francisco, you need Kaepernick to throw the ball. He's not comfortable because he's still kind of new being back there in that pocket, throwing the ball. He don't have those reads down just left. Now, if you let him get out there and run crazy, which he did in a few games, and I'm not saying he ran crazy, but if you get out there and let him use his leg, it opens up his game plan. But when he has to sit back there in the pocket and think about who he's throwing to, he doesn't have that maturity yet. So at some point we'll see next season because now in the last two games of the season where they made him sit back there in the pocket, you know, and they rushed him, and they played a zone in the back, it kind of confused them some. So I think the is on the wall, but he is a super athlete, which, like you guys said, RG3, Russell Wilson, all these young quarterbacks in this class last year, they're heck of an athlete. So, you know, TJ said that they do have that dual threat of either running or throwing. So. Yeah, but I, I definitely agree with what you're saying, Robert. You, you go back to all these different quarterbacks, and they say the game is not meant for them for more than three or four years. You know, these like running, they're going to get injured, and the offense that they have in them run. So what they're saying is the game is only meant for pocket quarterbacks? Are that what they're saying? Because I think, well, that, Terry, I, that, I, you know, yeah. this, this offense is only for a little to catch up with it. Am I right?
3: Well, yeah, they're going to catch up with it for you know to a certain extent. But what I'm saying is, you have to pick and choose. You can't sit there and tell me that um, they're going to keep nine guys in the box to stop this run, to stop this play action, or um, to stop that they're not going to be able to do that because off of this, there's going to come you know other other plays. I mean, I'm sure they'll figure out something else. So. With these guys' arm strength as well as their leg strength, it's still going to be, you know, a double-edged sword. So, yeah, they, will they catch up? Yeah, they'll catch up. But does that mean they're not going to be able to run this, or they're going to have to totally get away from it? No, I don't believe so. I don't believe they will. Glove. Right.
2: You're right. You're right. See, for me, let let me do this quick comparison. For me, let's think about how well, Cam Newton did his his rookie year, and how right. everybody was high on Cam Newton. Then at the beginning of the last year, because they didn't make too many adjustments, or and I'm not gonna say Cam didn't get any better. He kind of struggled early his sophomore season. Now we have these young quarterbacks doing well this year, and you've seen some highs and lows. You know, as the season progressed, you've seen some highs and lows. You know, some people got some quarterbacks got a little better. Some, you know, kind of stayed, stayed flatliners. But they were still playing above above the rest. Now, we can't say what's going to happen because we don't know what's going to happen in the off season. Are they going to pick up some linemen? You know, are they going to get a running back? You know, what's going to happen with the receivers? You know, what's going to happen to free agent? You know, what plays are going to be put in? What's going to be pulled out? So we can't say. All we can do is we can hope that it's a building block from this year to next year. But normally – you know, if you look at, uh, history, quarterbacks kind of struggle a little bit coming out their second year, you know, cause now the defense have caught up to like, to, to what they like to do. So it's, we have to wait and see what happens. So well, let's, let's go down the list then. Let's go start with Russell Will. Do you guys think, um, the same season here, Will he continue to make or will he struggle? Like you say, love Cam Newton. His second year coming
3: in, you think you think Russell Wilson would will struggle? Well, it just depends on on Russell Wilson, you know, and, and, and it all depends on each individual. Um, if you look at things, <coughs> they seem to to think a little bit more instead of going out and playing the game, and that's what I think Kaepernick done. I think Kaepernick went out and played, and that's why he had so much success. He didn't think um, on on a lot of that stuff. When these guys are being taught in, in training camp and stuff, okay, now here's this here's this set. What what set is this? I need you to read this and identify it, and then adjust your play call or adjust your audible to this. It makes these guys start thinking a lot more. That's what I think ends up happening. Glover, um, oh, I'm sorry to uh, young guys. I'm, I'm I'm good. Go ahead, Glover.
2: No, 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 I agree with you, TJ. I agree. I think, I think it's, it's natural when they're a rookie. You know, I think they're going off of, you know, natural ability and pure talent with, with coaching. And then as they grow into their second season, the off season, more things are put on them, I think the pressure started mounting. Then let me go back. I think Kaepernick was well until he got to the second round of the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? I think pressure built up. And so in his mind, he was going to try to do it with his legs, which Atlanta didn't let him do. So now he has to change his mindset and figure out now, okay, I'm not getting what I was getting with my legs. Now i got to sit back in his pocket and do some things that I can do, but I'm not used to doing, you know. And, Bill, you're talking about the second, the, the sophomore season of their second year, you got to think what is the organization doing? Are they happy with the progression of the quarterback? Or do they feel that they need more tools being a running back or a tackle or a center or a wide receiver or a tight end? So are they doing things to continue the progression or is the organization stagnant and, and okay, we're happy with the formula we have. We don't think you need any players. So we're going to go this next year and not bring in anybody else, which for me, I think that slows down the progress. I think if you're in pace, if you're on pace, to go somewhere, love, we talked about it. If you are on okay pace to go somewhere, you got to keep adding puzzle pieces. We talked about it, love. I said, I think San Francisco is going to struggle because they're going to get rid of Randy Moss. You said that Manningham or Manning, whatever his name is, you said he's going to step up and fill the void for Moss. And I told you that I think in San Francisco's case, Moss is that puzzle piece. Regardless of what you think about him, he's still going to get you that double coverage. Well, I don't think Manningham will do that for you. What do you think
3: of that one, Terry? Um, hey, I, I agree. I, I agree on that. You know, you ever hear somebody's name uh like Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods, mm-hmm. and then you hear Randy Moss. He he demands a double team, okay? He demands a double cover, and it's just psychologically an advantage on your offense. So I, I totally agree with that Um because, you know, I, I do believe Randy Moss, can still play this game and, and, and at a high level. If um, you know, if if he can get them passes down, if he can get the ball, I I think people are afraid to single cover him. Well, I will tell you what,
2: uh, I'm gonna ask that too. I'm gonna we gotta take a break, then when we come back, I'm gonna ask that because I still don't agree with Glove about that Randy Moss, and I think Terry, you know, you still think that he can play at that high level, but you know, I would say. We'll take a break, and this is Jay Love with T.J. and Eric Love. We'll be right back. All right.
0: Your Internet flagship station for sports, Voice of America Sports.
1: Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Wednesdays at 1 p.m.
0: Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports.
2: Uh, when we went to break, we'll talk about Randy Moss. I still don't think Randy's gonna be able to, you know, perform well, though. You know, and, and just the age, and you know, he's not where he used to be. I mean, he could bring two defenders to him by running deep, but what else can he bring to the table, guys? He don't go to the middle. We've seen that in the Super Bowl, right there. Well, I don't want to see that where Randy and put his hands up. But what do you guys think he could really bring?
3: But I, I guess my question, on top of your question, love, would be what else does he need to bring? I, I think he's going to bring exactly what he needs, and, and that's that double team because it's going to open up one to two players on the other side of the field, okay? That being Crabtree and Vernon Davis and whatever whoever they want to put in the slot. Um, and, and I think that's his role right now. I, I think that having a Randy Moss on the team, number one, is a psychological advantage. Um for your offense because he does command a double team. And I think if he's single covered, Randy Moss will start to, uh, shine again. That, that, that's what I think. Well, I mean, just look at, look at the situation that
2: he's in in San Francisco. You have a quarterback that can run, that has a nice strong arm. You have a good running game in Frank Gore. You have, Speedy receivers and Teddy Gann and Crabtree, young, speedy receivers. You have a tight end that's built like a freaking brick house that can run like a wide receiver. Now you have an older guy. You know, what's the expectation of Randy Moss? The expectation is for him to drag the field to open up stuff underneath for the younger
3: guy.
2: For Vernon Davis for a Michael Crabtree. Open up that running game up the middle for for Frank Gore. Open up that outside for Kaepernick. So is he the Randy Moss, which a lot of people don't like him, but is he the Randy Moss of old? No. But I guarantee you in the foot race, he'll still be 90 to 95% of the guys in the NFL.
3: Randy Moss is going to prevent people from stacking eight and nine people in the box. That's what Randy Moss is, is, is going to do. Yeah, but what else can he do? What does he need to do? What else does he need to do? Look at the success that San Francisco had. They made it to the Super Bowl. I think that speaks for itself. I, I, I think, Love, you want to get into the, the, the argument or the conversation about him not being the same player that he, he used to be. Well, we agree with that. But for this team, I think Randy Moss is... Is playing his role. <laughs> is, that, is,
2: that, is that what you think, Love, that role he's playing? Yes, sir. Hey, Love, let's let's think about it like this. You've been in the league 15, 16 years. You've had a great career. Would you rather, A, sit at home with your wife and kids, B, find a, find a second career and a job, or C, get paid a million dollars to still be out there with the guys and you only get... 18 to 20 plays a game, and you know your role. What would you rather do, Love? Huh? Because that's what Randy Moss is pretty much doing. He knows his role. He's gonna get thrown to about somewhere between three and five times a game, you know. But he's out there making a million dollars, and he's doing his part for the team, hoping, hoping to get to a Super Bowl. I think that I think that's a heck of a. Retired job right there. A heck of retirement. And hey, like you say, that's what you tell I mean, him, your role. That's what Michael Vick, his role at Philly, he's like, hey, I'll take this 10 million. I know my role. If I got to sit the bitch for 10, I'll do it. <laughs> want me to come in and run a couple of plays? I'll do it. So, you know, but I won't be on that all day because I got another thing that, Terry, I got to get your real take on this i Gloves i to get it with me. You know, he argue me down. About uh, Michael Singletary.
0: <laughs> he has uh,
2: offered, uh, to go into the Rams as a decent coordinator. And, and tell me, alright, um, Terry, I don't think Michael Singletary could be that great of a, you know, of coach. He's never, he never been in those position, but you gotta build yourself up to become a head coach and get in these positions. Do you agree with that?
3: Well, I, I agree with a certain, to a certain extent, but <laughs> the way I look at Michael Singletary is, you take Mike Singletary's career, and he, I mean it, it speaks for itself. Okay, Mike Singletary, you can't tell me that he can't coach a defense or he can't coach linebackers because he knows that position. Okay, and I would I would play my butt off for a coach like Mike Singletary. Okay, um, but as far as him being known or, or, or working himself up, I mean what he's not doing that. I mean, I think that's what he's doing right now. Um, and, and I don't think that he was that horrible of a head coach, quite frankly. I mean, Mike is an in-your-face type of guy. He wants you to perform to the best of your ability. He He holds you accountable for what you do or what you don't do. And I think that's what coaching is all about. It's only gonna help you be a better player.
2: Well Well let's 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 go back. <laughs> let's think about let's think about the Ryans that are coaching right now, being the twins and the sons of Buddy Ryan. Do you do you think they didn't start at a position or sign in balls when there was touchdowns thrown or stand behind the defensive coordinator or a lineman coach or a special team coach and learn the job? Let's think about you know, Schottenheimer. You know, we can go through a list of names in the NFL and talk about guys who stood around their dad or their uncle or their brother and watched and got a minimal job and worked their way up. Or we could talk about, you know, a Hall of Fame linebacker who played on the Super Bowl team that was a position coach, graduated, and got a head coaching job. and So now we're trying to say he don't know enough. To, to be a defensive coordinator, by the way, I don't think he's getting a job. I think they're giving it to the guy from Detroit anyway, so so this is still just a question. But it's amazing how we judge certain individuals who played the game and how guys can stand next to their dad, learn, come up through the ranks just standing around and get those positions and we never question it. They so, never play a down and, and, football in their life. Right. And so in reality in reality we shouldn't play sports. We should just hang out and stand around and get a job where it pays minimal and we could be a head coach and nobody'll question us. I got a question for you, love and you Terry. First you Terry, because you 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 you, you, you chime in and you said it never played it down in his life. But we look at all these sports commentators uh, Stephen A and and Skip Vegas and they got all these comments about and with these things, they never played it down in sports either. And they make these comments And some of them, you know, are right on. But we look at them and listen to their opinion and all like that. So it's the same thing, right? And for Absolutely. you, uh, the question and, and, to you
3: is, go ahead there. Oh, well, I was just saying they're getting paid to do that. They they, they get paid to write stories and and, and stir up controversy. <laughs> you know, yeah, but yeah, a lot yeah, of but, people, but they're not, but they're not in head coaching position. They're not in coaching positions. Uh, They're they're talking about it and and, and criticizing it, okay? But they're not in those coaching positions. So, I mean, you can't necessarily really uh, compare that.
2: Yeah, but you still you have some people that never never played the game and great coaches, you know, and, you know, know, never played it down, but great coaches, you know. True. That's for my point. And that same thing when you have people talk about it. I get mad when somebody says, I'm like, damn, you never played the game. No. How it really is, you know. So it's almost the same thing, right?
3: Well, Look, I mean, you're, you're going to find that. love. You, you, you'll find that, and I'm not going to argue with that point because you're right. But that doesn't mean that Mike Singletary needs to do this, that, or the other. or He needs to, you know, he he, he can't coach. I, I I don't buy that. What do you think, Love?
2: Hey, see, I'm not I'm not super critical of things like that. Like I said, there's people that can go to school and get the book get the books and learn how to do things and with with the right training. You know, so what you're saying is look at beat writers are beat writers, sports sports columnists are sports columnists. They their knowledge is research. You know, they'll do a lot of research and then yeah. they'll they'll put the, the research and the facts together to to have their argument or their conversation. You know, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot, love. Let's think about, you know, we, we know a guy. You know, we went to college with a guy that's never played a down-to-football, but yet he's been working for uh, a, a certain organization out there for the last 27 years, and he never played football. But he's right. had a job in the NFL for 25-plus years because of who he married. Yep. So that was my point that I was saying to you earlier. You know, we judge or we're critical – of ex-athletes, and it's, it's harder for ex-athletes to get a job coaching as opposed to to Joe Blow's son or Joe Blow's daughter or, or oh, that's my daughter's husband, so let me take care of him because I want to make sure my daughter's taken care of. That's, that's what I'm saying. So you're right. Some guys who don't play do make great coaches, but there's also a lot of guys out there that play that could be good coaches but they're just not given the opportunity to coach. Well this was my and best glove. and then at the glove, uh um, after Terry Tell what you think. But I, I agree what you were saying with that, but just because um Michael Jordan was the best player in the world, that don't mean Michael can be a great coach, right? True. You, just because he played that position, that don't mean Michael become a coach. Just because you said Singletary is the greatest linebacker hall of fame, yeah. But do that mean he <laughs> still can be a great coach, glove?
3: I mean, I'm I'm probably right. right, And and this goes back to a previous episode we did with uh, Reggie Fox. And he spoke about Magic Johnson. Okay? Magic Johnson, nobody can argue with with, with what Magic Johnson did or, or is to basketball. But Magic Johnson did not have success coaching the Lakers. Because Magic Johnson did not have the mindset of a coach. Magic Johnson saw things coming before they ever, before any other players ever saw them coming so therefore he was always three four steps ahead of of his team and and, and what he was trying to do but that doesn't mean that, that 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 makes him a bad coach it just didn't work out for that situation that doesn't mean magic can't coach basketball because he magic knows basketball do you agree with that well i agree
2: well i agree with everything <clears throat> tj just said my, my thing what i was talking about was this just because and and, and it's redundant but of because you are great, don't make you a great coach because you gotta go through the, the training. You know, you gotta take your, your bumps and your bruises, so to say. You know, you, when you're a great athlete, like a Jordan, like a, like certain individuals, see your impulses and your energy is different from one who's never played the game or never played at a higher level. So when they have that emotional attachment, their emotional attachment is gonna be different. <laughs> Magic couldn't relate because he wanted all the guys to have the same work ethic and to be the way he was. That's not going to happen. You know, maybe Mike Singletary couldn't relate to the guys because of the generation he came from, the work ethic from his guys that he played with on the Super Bowl team and the teams he played on. Maybe their work ethic and their mindset was different. These younger guys come from a a different generation. They think different. They act different. They are different. So that's the relationship from an uh, uh, athlete to an athlete nowadays. But isn't that, and I think we stand it Terry and we talk about it, isn't that what happened with sports from always, from Pee Wee on up? We, we baby in these athletes? Because it's not like back in the day there was stuff, you know, get out there, play um, or or uh, get yelled at, and you ain't crying to mommy. But isn't that what's going on now in the generation of the, the sports race? Right? Okay. Yeah, I, I, say yeah. I would say, I would say, yeah, love, I say this, this generation now, we, we've coddled. They've been coddled. You know, since, since Pop Warner, they've been coddled. It's like, you know, when they're young, they haven't even done anything and they already look like superstars or they even hit field. You know, we, we've applauded, we've applauded and, and we haven't made them work for it. You know, it's like now in, in Pee Wee Sports, you get a trophy automatic, or you get a medal just for signing up. Now, you could be 0-20, but you're going to get a medal. And then what's even crazier, because I've been a coach for the last, you know, something years, what's even crazier is after every game, the kids get snack. You know, when we was growing up, we, we didn't get no snack. You know, the parents are, are, you know, designed, or the parents, you know, make out a little list where each game, two parents bring snacks. So most of the kids out there playing ain't worried about the game.
3: They're trying to figure out what the snacks gonna be after the game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're, you're absolutely <laughs> right, Glove. I, I remember. You know, I mean, you you're sitting there playing midget football, <laughs> and you know, you do it. You, you start off with the calisthenics, and you know, you got the offense and the defense, and you know it's gonna be two hours. We're out there for two hours. We might have took a break and got a drink. But we didn't think about no
2: snacks. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that is funny You're like, Who's weekend to the ring of snacks? you know, like <laughs> Hey here's what hey, here's what's funny. Here's what's funny. You can have you can have the game and kids won't go hard in the game, but you can have the snacks in the end zone and, and them kids are race right to the end zone to be first in line to get a snack. <laughs> He, they wait for that last whistle so they can run over there to get the snacks. Get in line. Well, yeah, you're right. But you know something even more funny? Not going now, but the second half of the show, we're gonna hear that that word snacks again, guys. So get ready to laugh at <laughs> that word snacks again. <laughs> Apparently a lot of people want snacks, right guys? <laughs> hey <There you go. laughs> I guess we, I guess Alabama loves snacks so we'll talk about that in the next half but uh yeah, but like look, I, I agree, but I just think, I think Terry, you said it, you got to do your diligence with the coaches, and that's what I was saying. I mean, I think I was, my thing is, okay, Mike, you tell you be a position coach. As a position coach, you go to, you know what I'm saying, uh, this and that. Then you work your way up, and then I, I think it's just hard. I think to just jump to be a head coach. I think you got to coach all oh, aspects and see what everybody does, and then you will know. I don't know if you guys agree with that, do you? Well, I mean,
3: I sit here and I, I I understand what you're saying, but I don't think that they would have put Mike Singletary in the head coaching position if he was not qualified, and that's what I kind of think you're saying that he wasn't qualified to be a head coach. Uh, I I disagree with that. Uh, I think that Mike Singletary's um, his uh you know the, the way he dealt with players, the way you know his aspect on on coaching and 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 how he coached probably was a little bit different. Now, me, I would flourish under a Mike Singletary. But you got these guys now, you know, they go get manicures and they go get their faces waxed and stuff and pedicures. And and these guys aren't a Michael Singletary type of guy, you know. Well, I
2: agree. I mean, mean, you got – I agree with what T.J. was saying. I mean, it's like this. It's like – You know the organization hires a gentleman, you know, and that they think is the right guy for for the job. Now, you know, was he a position coach? Is that important? Of course. Has he come up through the ranks? You would hope so. Being an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, he took he took taking his licks. So now he he bumped into the head coaching job. Now, once he get there, once he get there, because we got to remember, Mike Singletary had multiple offensive coordinators along with Alex Smith. So at what point does he become comfortable being the head coach? Because here it is, his offensive coordinator is not producing. Now let's jump. Let's jump to Baltimore, and I hate to go back and forth, but what Baltimore's offense wasn't producing. So what did they do? They fired their offensive coordinator, hired up their their offensive line running back coach, brought him in as a coordinator. But he was a head coach in Indianapolis before that, and he was an assistant. On the team before getting the OC job, so I mean, in some situations it works, in some situations it don't. But in Singletary's situation, it seemed like the whole time he was in San Francisco, he could never, you know, put his feet on the ground and walk comfortably because he never had any, any balance. You know, he was never comfortable in his job because guys were coming and going. I, I, and I agree with you on that glove too. I'm not saying, but I totally agree with you with that one. He never was comfortable to the running pain. It was always something over him, but we're going to take another break when we come back. We're going to bring up that word snack. Like I said, apparently, uh, four guys needed a little snack. So what they did, they uh, smacked back. So we'll be right back with a love of that sports out with TJ and Eric Glover.
0: Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies?
1: Tune in to a show about making a comeback This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. On this week's program, we'll have walleye champion Tommy Scarless and Dave Marinen with Minn Kota Trolling Motors. Hey, we'll also have outdoor rider Thomas Allen, Cat Daddy, and Unpro Fishing's Chance Orf. where we talk about tips and tactics for early spring fishing for walleye, bass, catfish, and panfish. And, of course, it's brought to you by Outdoor Channel, plus Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice
0: America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail.
2: I'm here, love. And love, love, you there? Yes, sir, I'm still here. Well, well, guys, this is a story that I think is it's kind of funny, but it's kind of sad. And I kind of wanted to say the internet so we have enough time to talk about it. But so we look at these athletes nowadays and we say they should be paid, you know, giving them some money so they, you know, maybe wash the clothes, go out with that keyword, we're going to say snacks, or, you know, get to hang out. But, I mean, you look at it, you go, you get a, a team like Alabama. They won the national championship um, two years out of, I think, three years or four. You know, they are getting some kind of perks. There's nothing with this, the school's not giving them. But so my point is what we get into, uh, the story that came out, four of the uh, athletes robbed two students, um, beat them down, knocked them unconscious, kicked them, robbed them of a, a credit card or debit card, went to the um, dorm room and the vending machine and brought snacks. What is going on, guys?
3: Well, first of all, that's, that's sad. There's, there's no reason for something like this to even happen. And these guys, you know, I, I'm not sure paying these guys would, would make a difference in, in that kind of an aspect because if you're going to do what these guys did, you're going to do that anyway. Um, there was no need, no, there's never no need for, for something like this to go on. Um, especially you're representing a football team um who's just coming off of a national championship and um and this is the kind of you know this is the kind of attitude and, and stuff that, that you portray and uh, it, it has no place.
2: Well I agree, I agree. I mean for me for me it's different. I think if you do give these guys something I think it could alleviate some of the problems. Will it? Will it? Will it stop all of them? No, because teenage kids and young men are young men. They're going to do things. But my problem is this right here. It's like you've just won two national championships back to back. You've bought who knows how many millions of dollars to the university. The kids can't have no free snack machines in in, in the athletic dorms, or or they can't. I mean, what would drive these young men? to do something, you know. I mean, I understand because I play football and we had some characters on our team as well that used to do things like this. But, I mean, it's kind of sad to think that they would do such a criminal act when we hold these guys at a whole nother level in society. You know, we hold them on, on a college campus. These are like the gods on campus. And so being that person, you got to be a certain way and, and this is how you repay those same kids that are cheering for you on Saturday, you know, that are helping you with your homework and, and doing things like that for you.
3: This is how you repay them? Well, I, you know, I to, it just, it makes you wonder where their, where their mind is. I mean, what, what good would it have done for them to beat up two kids, take this stuff and then go to the vending machine and buy snacks? I mean, that's, that's just silly. I have to agree with Glover, are you Terry. Glover,
2: you want, it's like, uh, you have to have, because, you know, when you're on that dorm room, you don't want the food in them, what they call it, what the athlete eat sometimes. You want a snack in that bag of chips. But then again, you got to get up some money. But then again, I agree with Terry, saying, if you don't give them money, you still don't make them do what they did. You know what I'm saying? For some snacks. You know, by giving these guys money, it's not saying, okay, we can go out and beat somebody up. No, it's not right. You know, <laughs> All right guys.
3: Hey, I'm, I'm I calling agree. Coach Saban. Coach Saban making millions of dollars a year. Coach, uh we want some snacks. Can you <laughs> Can you come look it up? You know. You you try, I
2: mean, you're trying to come on to tell me you're trying to tell me and we had this conversation. They made close to fifty million dollars per year in these last two years. Skip a year, go another year back. They made money for that university. Like you say, Coach Saban is making probably ten million dollars, eight on salary plus all his little incentives, so he's making ten plus million. So you trying to tell me all this money going to the university? Now, if you just got some straight up hooligans on the team, there's nothing you can do about that. But you're trying to tell me that at Alabama, character isn't an issue as long as you win on Saturday. Because if that's the case, then then as NCAA football, and as a university, they're doing something wrong. Because guess what? When Miami was in their heyday, and them guys was down there doing their thing, everybody sure had something negative to say in Miami. But we're gonna we're gonna sweep it under the rug in Alabama, and and nobody's really talking about it like they used to talk about things back in the Miami days, the USC days, and all those days. So why is Alabama getting a pass on this? Yeah, but I mean, I think we're looking at it and saying, all right, these players are doing this, you know. But everything, I think, this happened on every campus, you know. And you can't use that. Okay, let's pay the guys, and you know that's not one of. But some gotta be given if these universities is getting like I think it was what, how much they get for the thing forty million something like that. What there was like forty-two a... million or something they got thirty-five to forty-two. Right. What did it to give a kid? a free car that he gets some snacks for a month out of those things. You know what I'm saying?
3: Why would that hurt yeah. to get them you know, and, free? And I understand what you guys are saying, but here's the bottom line. The behavior is, is totally unacceptable. I mean, even if you didn't have anything, you do without the snacks. What you want and what you need are two different things. You don't go and you don't rob people to get what you want. That's the bottom line. Now, we can talk about uh, what Alabama should do or what they you know, how much money they have, and I totally agree with that. But what these guys did, that was just totally uncalled for. And and ha- and they weren't starters, they were all backups. But nonetheless, these are the guys that are coming up through the ranks, Love, as we talked about. You're supposed to portray your team as something a whole lot different than what these guys did. Well?
2: Oh, I agree. No, no. Well, that's what I was saying. I was saying, regardless of, of getting paid or not getting paid, this is. Just- this is a character issue. This is this is criminal. This is criminal activity. Money don't take, take, take precedence over criminal activity. You could, like we said, you could pay them all day long. If they're gonna commit the act, they're gonna commit the act. Period. That's what that's what I was saying. I'm like, there has to be something else in place or something needs to be done because regardless, if you pay them or you don't pay them, these things are gonna still happen. So money's not going to stop them from doing or being being wild and criminals.
3: You know what I'm saying? It's not going to stop them from doing things. And, and one of these guys had a pistol, uh, supposedly, also with him. So, oh, yeah. I mean, what, what are these guys doing, okay? Uh, they're they're, yeah, they're the not before, on my football team anymore, you know? Yeah, the day, before, the, the, day the, one guy, the day
2: before the one guy was called with a pistol, and he posted a five hundred dollar a five hundred dollar bond. Okay, so guess what? We had some conversation. If he had five five hundred dollars to post bonds, he didn't have no snack money. Right. <laughs> well look at the other ones. They all posted bonds out. Where did this money come from? You know? But but well, you're right. But I'm saying he had five hundred dollars to post bond. He didn't have no snack money?
3: No, no, you can't tell me that these guys come into a major university, they don't have a booster club, they don't have uh, booster parents, uh things like that. That when these guys are staying through the summer to work on football, that they don't have people looking out for them. And, and, you know, for them to do something like this and not be able to get it in any other way is totally uncalled for. So there's just no excuse for what happened, what these guys did.
2: And, and, and like you say, Terry, there's gotta be something in place. Like you say, I know when we was in town they call them foster parents. People you go to, you get dinner and that if you want it. You tell me a big program like that don't have this <clears throat> in place, something ain't right. Yeah. Well I agree. No, no, no. You got well, look it. we can keep saying it, we've all said the same thing over and over. We can keep, keep saying we we can, we can continue to have this conversation but the bottom line is there was things that were done that shouldn't have been done. There was characteristics that were shown that you would think college athletes on any campus wouldn't display those type of characteristics. Okay, so it lets me know that their characters in question. You get caught one day with a weapon and then the next day you go out and commit this and and here's what's crazy, love, we had this conversation. This guy was a five-star athlete. This guy was like top-notch. He was a top-notch player, but yet this, these are his characteristic traits: was to be criminal. So at that point, or right now, I can't even think in terms of him being an athlete. I think charges need to be pressed on him. He need to be put in jail. Yeah, and, it's, it's, and, and you look at two uh, five-star athletes. You know, should know better. Because I think you would have to play football in education. You know, so apparently, you know, Alabama didn't do their homework on these guys. Is that what it is? Because usually they do a, a background on these guys, right?
3: Well, background may not necessarily catch, you know, people's criminal intent. I mean, you know, you can only go so far on the background, but you know, um, I, I don't necessarily know if that's the whole answer either. I, I just think that you know, these guys got together and, and obviously didn't have much to do because it didn't look like they were doing any study, and so they must be straight-A students. And um, they got together and decided to do something dumb. But um, who's looking out for these guys. Who's who's keeping track of these guys? Who's, who's making sure they're at, you know, the study tables and stuff like that? Those are the kind of programs and stuff that need to be implemented. You need to, you need to talk to these guys because you give them too much free time, and they're going to end up doing stuff like this. Well, I and mean, here goes the funny part. It really ain't no funny part,
2: of Bob. But I mean, you gotta look at something and laugh. And go. That's all they can get with snacks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, my thing, my thing is this: that Alabama is is it an all boys school because they don't have no women on campus. <laughs> they they could out something to occupy their time more. Some women, a uh, a pool hall, go shoot some pool, go bowling. You know, for for fun. In Alabama, they go beat up. You know, defenseless. Students walk across campus and rob them? Is that the, is that the activity in Alabama? Because uh, you would think they would go spend some time with some young ladies, like like TJ said. They must have been straight-A students in my book. No, you got to look at it, too, and keep beating it over over. Like you say, that's a big campus. You know what I'm saying? That's a big campus, bigger than Wyoming. Laramie. There,
3: you tell me there's nothing to do. Oh, there's plenty to do. There's plenty to do, and and there was a lot more to do than what they did. But, you know, I think that if these big athletic programs and these national champions um, are going to do anything for these kids and they need to start implementing some of these kinds of of, of programs to keep these kids on the right track, Um, because some of these kids come from poor neighborhoods just like we've talked about before, and, you know, this is the kind of stuff that they seem going on all the time. This is what they know. Well, you want to get out of there. Get 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 out of that mode and, and get your mind right on something else to be successful. And, again, here we go. We're dealing with 20-year-old kids. I mean, immature kids are going to make these mistakes. And these are the same kids that in the next year or two end up going to the NFL and getting millions of dollars, and they still have this same mentality. They haven't matured, and that's why we find – the Dez Bryants and the um, the uh, um, the others out there. So what you saying? We should forgive because of their age? Well, I'm not saying you should forgive anything. I'm just saying that <laughs> these uh, these football teams and these these campuses need to get some kind of programs together to to, to help these kids to, to help them mature and to keep them keep them on the right track. You go up. Yeah,
2: no, I, I think, I mean, we, we've had conversations before. You're right. I think there need to be more programs implemented to prepare them because you got to remember, this is a culture shock for some kids. When you come from an uh, inner city where you're used to people looking like you look, talking the way you talk, acting kind of, you know, the way you act, and then here it is, they throw you in this big old pool called this campus, and you're at this Division one school, and now – where you used to be the majority, now you're the minority, and you don't really have know how to socialize or relate to people who don't look, who look different from you, because you've never, you were never raised up with kids like this. Or you were never raised up with people like that. It's a whole social interaction that needs to be addressed, because you take a 17 year old kid from the inner city, and you put him in an all white campus, that's a culture side.
3: Just like putting
2: an all white kid in an all black school. You know, when, You know, we went to Wyoming. My first day in in Wyoming, I walk across the street, and I say hi to a young lady that was walking by me. She got scared and ran because she had never seen a black person in public. Seen them on TV, but never seen somebody in public. So I find that kind of odd because this was 1980, early 80s. But just think about these kids nowadays that are from the inner city. That's true. Well, we got to, uh, end the show next we uh, you know, we got to talk about it a little bit more and see whether I'm going to go on without, because it might, the NCA might try and do a, uh, investigation on what's going on with that program. But this is Jay Lovey, Terry Jackson, another great show, and Eric Glover. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, alright. Talk to you later, TJ.